I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Biweekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are taking a look at a kind of different movie. We're taking a look at a Chinese animated film, the first animated film we've done so far. And that is Havoc in Heaven, also known as Uproar in Heaven or Chaos in Heaven, from 1964. Well, okay, kind of 61, and then a little more came out in 63, and then they got put together in 64 or something like that. <laughs> right. um, but it's from the 60s. Um, and it was directed by Wan Liming and produced by all four of the Wan brothers, which we'll probably get into in a minute. But yeah, this movie was really, really cool. Yeah, um, this is really it special. Kind of, yeah, it kind of tells uh, the, f- the story. Obviously, we've seen a lot of influence from Journey to the West in this podcast so far, but this is the first like direct influence, directly uh, uh, adapted version we've seen so far. And it's kind of shows like the first few chapters or episodes of Journey to the West because Journey to the West is this massive novel or kind of almost series. Like, I feel like I've never seen a a single book collection of it. It's always at least two. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was looking into Journey to the West because of this episode. And um, yeah, once I had seen this film and kind of was uh, getting familiar with everything and then Journey to the West showed me hey, this whole film is like the first like 5% of Journey to the West. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a ton of story. Like all we see in this film is uh, Song Wukong uh, on his mountain and we don't get to see any of his party members. Like I think Journey to the West in my mind was kind of like as I was learning about it, like kind of a japanese rpg game where you have a little party of characters (laughs) and you're sure you're making your way uh to an objective and um it's it's totally like that so this film is just sun wukong so it's um, just because that's the first like the first chunk of journey to the west is just about who the monkey king sun wukong is how he got so ridiculously powerful and why it is that he has to go on the journey to the west and he's not even actually the main character in in the latter half of the book he's just one of the one of the party members yeah and it's really interesting and it's kind of like these like these children's fables but it's weird you don't really get these moral rewards from the stories it's more about kind of mischief and then this kind of grand swaths of like these kind of life lessons about faith and about uh, loyalty and stuff like that. It's pretty Yeah, cool. it is almost, uh, it reminds me more of like scripture kinds of stories than yeah, like I fable gotcha. sort of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, got its feet on both sides of that fence because mm-hmm. you got these very like strong Buddhist like teachings and stuff like that. But you've also kind of got like, I don't know, like these Paul Bunyan-esque like characters. <laughs> like tall tale kind yeah, of Yeah, stuff like that. I I was really eating it up like 
I think we were talking a little bit about it earlier, how if you're a fan of Kung Fu film, you've experienced Sun Wukong in some form. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's pretty much like the touchstone for most people, like seeing mm-hmm. a right. representation of this character in a Kung Fu film or in uh, some type of media. But um, I wonder how many people actually really, really know about Journey to the West. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. And yeah. there's a I lot say, of the biggest influence is obviously Sun Wukong. I think Sun Wukong actually translates to Son Goku in mm. Japanese. Yeah. And of course, that Son Goku is Goku's name in, in <laughs> right. Dragon Ball. And and he's also a rambunctious and incredibly powerful and has a staff that can extend and, and listens to him and, and yeah. flies on a cloud and, there, and everything. Yeah, there are quite a bit of touchstones to Journey to the West at the beginning of Dragon Ball, but it definitely, That's true. Like, definitely veered off into away. its own direction. But definitely in like Dragon Ball, not whatever gets into the, the Z years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this movie was definitely something else. Like, like you can see so many classic Disney films, how they influenced this movie. Right. right. Like there were parts of it that reminded me of like Peter Pan and, and Pinocchio. And it was just really incredible seeing like something this, you know, really well done and, and uh, beautifully animated coming out of mainland China because we haven't seen uh, we haven't done any mainland Chinese films have we I don't think so well Crouching Tiger was like yeah, Crouching Tiger is kind of like kind a co-financed weird, thing that's kind of a weird thing because technically they were all one country at that point yeah and, uh, there was a lot of high Hollywood financing and development there too mm-hmm. but yeah this was this was so fascinating I, I I've got to admit I actually wasn't very aware of mainland Chinese animation um of this period and it's this is i mean a really special film because only a few years later uh you know chairman mao (laughs) really started to kind of bring the hammer down with the cultural revolution Mm -hmm. and two years after this movie yeah and even even in their somewhat protected uh kind of hot you know hotbed of uh cosmopolitan life in shanghai where they developed this movie you know they still weren't you know definitely weren't immune from the ramifications of that which is uh it's i mean like i like so many of the the great arts that were um shortchanged by by mao i mean this is it's tragic just seeing the the potential um you know of an entire entire body of of work that you know that will we'll never get but yeah the animation is is stunning here i'm with you it's like a lot of cool uh disney influence and influence from you know other other animation styles but what i also really appreciate about appreciated about it is it's a really unique look too i mean the colors are yeah. so vivid and a lot mm-hmm. of the i'm sure like a lot uh, technically it, it very similar the way you know things are laid out and painted backgrounds and the way the cells are photographed and everything but the Mm -hmm. actual animation like the squash and stretch is like very different from like a disney kind of like physics or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, yeah for sure there's almost like this floatiness to everything and how it moves but it also i would say that you know this film is scored like a peking opera with like you know this traditional sound and i think that that sound really lends to the personality of the movement in the movie totally i think that if that if the movie was scored a different way, I think that the animation wouldn't be held up uh, as well. Yeah, it's really interesting to see like this take from China 
with this obvious influence of Disney. Um, but at the same time, this film was only really handled by a really small team. I think the animators listed, there's something like a dozen animators. When you think of a production. nuts. Yeah. yeah. This, this, whole this, movie is, this whole movie is, the, the actual animation parts of it are probably like an hour 48 minutes. Yeah. Because yeah, it was yeah, a 40 minute part and then an hour-ish part a few years later. And the idea of 12 people working on that, like today, you know, a big, big AAA movie coming out in Hollywood just for the 3D animation parts, not even, you know, a straight 3D film is going to have hundreds of animators, right. like armies of people working on it. Even like, you know, like Sleeping Beauty, like that's like mm-hmm. this like pinnacle in animation. And that was yeah, in absolutely. 59, I want to say. Yeah, so just a handful Testing of myself. <laughs> no, I, I but, believe you're right. I think that is 59. Yeah, it's... It's really crazy to think about um, them trying to pioneer this in China, you know, kind of following in the footsteps of Disney, you know, in their own way. It's pretty yeah. Well, and there was some I, I thought I read something, uh, um, something about the Wan brothers, you know, when when first seeing Snow White that, you know, however many years ago that that really kind of sparked. Um, yeah, sparked this this kind of mission in them to to bring that caliber of feature length animation to China. Yeah. And they and really they had a it. passion for animation, you know, from the beginning in their lives. Like, cause I did a little bit of homework and even in the twenties, they were already trying to do stuff. So like in 1926, uh, Wan Lai Ming, the director, he produced a short called, uh, uproar in the studio. Have, oh yeah. It also had uproar in the title. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was like this kind of, like Fleischer Brothers, like out of the Inkwell thing, or had like oh cool, uh, Wan Liming like in the studio, and then the artwork that he creates would come to life and cause trouble. That's so cool, actually, <laughs> yeah, most of like kind of cute. Uh, Walt Disney's early animation was was you know it's 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 funny, but actually most of the early animation was the was like a combination of live action and animation. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's kind of interesting. It actually, it actually sort of took a beat for for it to live exclusively in like the animated mm-hmm. space. But yeah, yeah I'd, I'd and love all to of see the kind of milestones in animation in China were almost created by the Wan Brothers exclusively because they were the ones yeah. that were able to do the first animation with sound, and that was in like 1935. It was a feature called The Camel's Dance, and then in 1941 they did Princess Iron Fan. <laughs> And uh, that and that movie is weird. It's crazy, and it's it's really cool. It is a fascinating bit of animation history. Uh, yeah, all these again because rights is so weird with all these movies. They're um any of them that are still uh, you know exist are are pretty much available on YouTube, and I definitely recommend if you got you know an hour and you want to watch some really weird and kind of creepy animation from the forties. <laughs> Princess Iron Fan is, is a good one. Yeah, it's it another Journey to the West uh, mm-hmm. excerpt. And uh, yeah, it's a feature film, all in black and white. It uses a lot of rotoscope animation, oh, like Matthew was saying. So it's definitely interesting to watch. And yeah, some and it's of the... weirdly smooth rotoscoping, too. Yeah. Like, uh, whenever I see rotoscoping, I'm used to like, uh, ah, crap. Guy in the 70s, Bakshi, Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. 
Sure, um, sure. I was I'm used to that, and that's like you know that's a different style. But this was like really smooth rotoscoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like animated and it's like, on it's, ones or whatever. It's like creepy. Yeah, it's animated on ones, which is insane. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. But yeah, you can watch this on YouTube. I yeah, I would recommend it. It's really interesting. Yeah, so they have been working, and even after Princess Iron Fan, they already had been making plans to. Uh, produce this uproar in heaven feature and uh, you know then the great leap forward happened yeah there was a (laughs) a bit of stuff happening to impede their production but yeah they were able to finally produce a completed feature you know using part one and part two in 1964 and then beyond that uh, more recently for i believe it was the 40th anniversary they uh, kind of remastered it and added like 3d visuals and i I haven't seen that version of the film myself but i actually heard that it's an edited down version so um the feature that we watched is available on youtube and it's available on amazon prime yeah and it's actually like kind of a um almost like a fan effort like remastering of the original so they used like um you know different versions of the film to piece together this kind of definite version and um it's fully subtitled and yeah really great yeah. translation too yeah yeah that's saying it's really it's good. not like that weird kind of subtitles like we've seen in a few movies like it you can totally tell everything that's going on and who people are and everything yeah. amazon prime does have this weird glitch with their uh subtitles sometimes yeah. where mm-hmm. it's i think they're synced to when the character starts and stops speaking and so yeah sometimes it's not en- yeah sometimes it's not enough time to <laughs> to read the line or whatever but but for the most part yeah it's terrific mm-hmm. so i guess with uh with all that kind of uh background let's let's take a look a little bit at the uh the movie we're kind of do things a little loose here so i'm not going to bother with a yeah. uh, uh back the vhs so just kind of jump into it but yeah the the movie itself doesn't it doesn't quite start at the i guess it kind of does start at the very beginning because we see like the the very very intro is is the monkey king bursting out of the top of a mountain to be to be born to the world which is definitely a thing from mm-hmm. uh journey to the west and again there's been a lot of adaption adaptations of the monkey king and a lot of looks and designs for what the monkey king looks like but I, this is probably my favorite Monkey yeah. King design. Like, That's I true. love the way that he looks. Like, and the way that and he's like super so rounded. Vivid. I mean, the whole movie, but yeah, particularly his design. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the colors are amazing. Like, this, the whole movie kind of looks like an animated pecking opera with the, not only the instrumentation, oh, but yeah. like people's faces look like masks that people would wear in, in Chinese opera. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can see. Uh, Song Wukong, he he almost looks like he's wearing face paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. You get the sense that they need to to touch on, um, or, or like the touchstones would have been like the opera renditions of these characters. So it's kind of cool. It's like the design isn't so much going after, uh, you know, going as fantastical as possible, like interpreting the novel, but it's kind of this bridge between how audiences maybe had seen these characters depicted on stage and something, you know, a little bit more fantastic. I like that. That's a good takeaway. Mm-hmm. And of course, we also get to see. I whenever I first started it, I was wondering if this would fit in with the other movies we've done. And of course, within five minutes, we literally <laughs> see monkeys doing kung fu. Oh and, yeah, sure. And it's great. And yeah, <laughs> this is really special. I mean, this is this is the sort of thing that um, 
uh, it, it, you know, there is some, there is some really kind of loosey goosey physics and everything like there is through, <laughs> throughout the movie, but still there's a, there's a great sense of choreography, um, you know, not just like from a martial arts tradition, but like you guys are saying specifically like Peking opera kinds of choreography. And it's like, I don't think there would have been another studio in the world that would have been able to, to nail oh, no. like they do here. Yeah, sure. And yeah, you get to see uh, what it's called is uh, the mountain of flowers and fruit. I think mm-hmm. those yeah. those could be interchangeable, but that's basically what it's called. And um, this is the, you know, the domain of Sun Wukong. And uh, he has his own little kingdom of monkeys and they all seem to be very cheery, but also trained as warriors. And mm-hmm. the first introduction you get to see of Sun Wukong after his birth is him arriving and uh greeting like uh his soldiers and they mm. they look like they're having a really good time but the thing that right. i like to see is yeah it's kind of got this i wouldn't say that it's rubber hose animation you know this kind of old 30 <laughs> stuff but it's got the spirit of it because yeah it's somewhere you, it's somewhere in between like, right exactly yeah. it's got like this thing like so there's a waterfall and then the monkey soldiers use their like crescent shaped halberds to split the waterfall like curtains so it's like yeah that's definitely something you could see in like some 30s animation that would have something like that Mm -hmm. but uh, at the same time it's yeah it's got its own personality outside of it as well but yeah it really is a unique look because uh the colors and like the sharpness of the photography and everything are much more reminiscent of like 50s or 60s you know american animation but the, some of the character design and the movement is a little bit more like an old Fleischer or something. Um, mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, yeah I, really, his, I really and, love it. Yeah, his, his arms and stuff kind of look more like a, more like a not Betty Boot, more like kind of like olive oil with like it's really like these long, yeah, and totally. curvy, really bendy, yeah, really yeah, really bendy. Yep. And like he, it, it's kind of funny whenever he crosses his arms because it's like they have to make up where his elbow is because it's just <laughs> kind of one smooth curve before. <laughs> and yeah, and we get to see the Monkey King in action, and he's um, fighting around with uh, that. There's a name for it, but the sword that has like the rings on the back of it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and then it shatters, and that it, it's kind of funny that literally sets off everything else that happens in the yeah, movie. Totally. And it yes. seems innocent enough at at the onset. It's like, oh, I'll just kind of replace this weapon. Yeah, um, it starts with, oh, this be. weapon broke. I need to get a better weapon. And ends with him literally maniacally laughing as he's <laughs> destroyed the Jade Emperor in Heaven's Palace. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sun Wukong, uh, you immediately get a sense of his personality. He's very cheery, but very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he always wants to prove his strength. I love the voice actor. Yeah, like, yeah. he's great. It's so cool that you can hear even even. And there's this you know, kind of Shanghai accent to the mm-hmm. to the Mandarin that's really cool, and it's also one of those period voices, you know. Yeah, um, like you'd get in any old cartoon. It's like, mm-hmm. oh wow, no one no one really talks this way anymore. It's, yeah, and yeah, I'll bet probably special. no one really talked like that then. Either. Yeah, prob- I mean, other the... than the Monkey King, you know. Well, well yeah, of course. Honestly. <laughs> The other thing we should say is that um, I mentioned the Peking Opera, like uh, symphony or however you would, the, the, the scoring of the film is done in this traditional way, but it's more than just the scoring. It's actually like 
the Foley work. So whenever you see action in the film, it's scored by the music and there aren't really like sound effects. Oh yeah, you're right. It's I didn't even think about that. That kind of gives yeah, the yeah, whole that's film totally this, in, like the stage style. Yeah, it gives this film like a almost like a celebratory feeling, you mm-hmm. know, when you're watching, you know, these two or uh, however many characters fighting each other, but there's mm-hmm. no like bangs or pows, it's just all like drum noises and stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. There's no like Shaw Brothers punch kind of sounds whenever people are hitting each other. It's all the. And actually, yeah, if that's something that you're not used to, it might be pretty annoying to you watching the film because especially in segments where there's a lot of action, you're just hearing like constant. It's like you're, yeah. you're, you yeah. have like kind a 10 year old in your dance scenes. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, sure. Our... Oh yeah. I was, I was exactly thinking more like, like a Bart Simpson <laughs> pounding on some pots and. I am so great. I am so great. Everybody loves me. I am so great. Everybody loves me. Man. Well, actually, I mean, he is, he is kind of like a proto Bart. Simpson oh yeah like oh a, for sure for sure or, yeah or it's like kind of Woody like if, if or something yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like if bart simpson had godlike powers like yeah. like yeah. he's a troublemaker and then it just gets big crazier and crazier the kind of trouble that he gets right. into or maybe bugs bunny would be a better like analog. i was gonna mention that yeah i was gonna oh, mention yeah. he's very like like a bugs bunny god <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yo oh yeah no it's i mean Bugs Bunny does some kind of godlike things in some of the Looney Tunes cartoons, but I would love to see someone I don't know like reinterpreting this film with Bugs Bunny and <laughs> stealing the peaches and yeah mm-hmm. messing it up in heaven. Oh, so yeah, cool. so uh, Sun Wukong he ends up breaking this sword and he says, "I want the perfect weapon." So. Um, one of the older monkeys says to him, hey, if you go down to the Dragon King's domain under the sea, I heard that there's a weapon there for you. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'll go wherever I want. Of course, I'll go down there. <laughs> so he makes his way down to visit this king dragon. And um, what ends up happening is like this kind of boastful action where he's like oh i want a perfect weapon then the dragon king brings out a spear and he's like this weapon's nothing bring me the next one so it's yeah. kind of this escalation heavier and heavier, heavier and heavier. what's well, cool too because they tell him like how many kilograms each yeah weighs. which that was kind of like, funny yeah, that, yeah <laughs> that they gave exact like oh this one weighs 100 kilograms so this one weighs you know a thousand kilograms <laughs> i also really like this uh dragon king's uh design too he's got this kind of wide pink nose and he's got yeah his well then they also there are the cool like wavy water effects in this whole sequence yeah right 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 so and he looks like kind of like this guy that's like been he's exhausted you know he's the king but he's tired (laughs) and if you annoy him it's gonna be a problem for everyone (laughs) but at the same time sun wukong will just annoy anybody. He doesn't care. So it escalates and uh, he finally, like, one of his servants tells him a secret and he's like, oh, I'll show you this uh, this item. And he brings him to this treasure under the ocean and it's like, it looks like a huge pillar. But yeah. what you end up finding out is that it's like uh, the legendary staff that 
uh, Sun Wukong is known for wielding, and they mm-hmm. call it something specific. The cudgel. They call it the like a... As You Will Gold-Banded oh, yeah. Cudgel. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I saw there's a couple of different translations for it. Um, also, the Compliant Golden Hooped Rod. But basically, the idea of it is that it's a it's a rod that has gold on the ends, and <laughs> it'll listen to you. Like, if yeah. you tell it to do something, then it'll do it. That's the idea. Yeah. And they also say that it weighs 18,000 kilograms. Oh, man. Yeah. Man. So it's not so your the, average cudgel. Right. The king dragon takes him over there, expecting him not to be able to handle it. But then it, it serves Song Wukong. And he's like, this is the perfect weapon for me. Right. It takes he's whatever like, shape or size he wills it to. Yeah, it's interesting. When he transports it, he shrinks it really small and he puts it in his ear. Yeah, he does that a few times in the movie. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, oh, well, you just have 18,000 kilograms sitting in your head right now. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, this obviously doesn't please the king dragon. So what he does is he goes up to heaven and he's complaining to the Jade Emperor, who is seemingly like the, the king of everything. And this is what really starts the problems for yeah. Sun Wukong in the film. Yeah, because he goes up there and there's like this crafty advisor that says that like, oh, we should basically we should treat him like he's some kind of, you know, celestial being just to kind of keep him out of everyone's right. hair. And I love the design of this dude. Like, oh, they, they call yeah. him like the white planet sometimes. Yeah, the white, yeah. the great white planet or something like that. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him. And he's like the kind of a quintessential nebbish uh, advisor guy but he's he's kind of crafty though um everything blows up in his face but you know right. he, he tries they they get him to go up to heaven and and it's funny because when he goes up there obviously he's not a celestial being so he doesn't understand like any of the things that are expected of him and he's you know jumping all around and one of the guards tells him to kneel before the Jade Emperor. And I love the little face he makes as he just kind of crosses his arms harder and puts <laughs> his face up. Like, that's uh, not my thing. And that's whenever they make him the the keeper of the heavenly stable. And whenever he goes over, he yeah, almost sounds like immediately... like a good gig initially, but... Yeah, and then he almost instantly lets out all the horses. <laughs> and uh, I love how these horses are animated. This oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have that kind of swirly design, like the clouds around them for mm-hmm. their like their mane and stuff like that. It looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, at first you kind of have to, you kind of have to. When I first watched it, I wasn't sure if they said like, "Oh, here are all the horses," and I was like, "Where are the horses? Oh, those are the horses," because they almost <laughs> blend in with the clouds when you first see yeah, them. Yeah, totally. And then his boss basically comes in and is like, you know, I was <laughs> I was gone for two seconds. Right. And you immediately let them all out. Um, and he tries to fight him, but then of course, this is kind of a, going to be a recurring thing. Monkey then smashes up the place and, and kind of sends the guy flying and and runs back home. Right. Um, That's what's so funny. Cause it's like, I feel like us as Westerners are expecting like this moral, moral lesson out of what's happening. And you (laughs) don't get those like hardly at all. It's almost like, (laughs) yeah, he's just a little bit of a prankster and that's kind of who he is. So (laughs) me as a viewer, I'm like, okay, um, 
what am I supposed to learn from this? No, (laughs) I guess nothing, but it's entertaining. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. It's just how everything's framed to me, like these fables. I guess my mindset's in like these kind of fable mode. (laughs) Also, I suppose it's important to remember this is all kind of like character backstory. um, Yeah. In Journey to the West. And so, yeah, this isn't yeah, really like the main the kind of moral, story of Journey yeah, this to the West. This be isn't the journey. Like a lot of the yeah moralizing is probably happening. <laughs> yeah, the journey doesn't start until like a third of the way through it af- after the Monkey King has done all this crazy stuff. And I think the way they finally capture the Monkey King is they like literally trap him under a mountain, and that's the only thing that'll that'll hold him back. Right. Like what ha- what happens in this story, from what I know, is uh, monk. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers Monkey, for a 900-year-old Chinese novel. Yeah, he encounters Buddha, and he, of course, thinks he's the best, and Buddha is, like, issues him a challenge, like, hey, if you can beat <laughs> me to the edge of the world, um, you can do whatever you want. And he's like, oh, I can do, like, I can go 10,000 miles in one somersault. This should be easy. So what happens is, uh, monkey flies his way all the way over to the edge of the world and he sees at the edge of the world these five pillars and to prove that he got there he writes on the one of the pillars monkey was here and he like pees on the pillar <laughs> but what you find out is that that was actually buddha's hand and those were his yeah. fingers so um buddha this is one of the things where you do actually get a lesson and it's monkey yeah. realizes that no matter what you do, you always have to obey like the, the, the principles of Buddha in your life. So then yeah. what Buddha does is he forms those five fingers into a mountain and he places them on top of Sun Wukong. And that's how he becomes trapped for like okay. 500 years. And that's the, uh, and that obviously kind of shows the, uh, the Buddhist kind of perspective that the story was written in because Buddha is literally the only celestial being that's capable of, of holding him back because every other one just gets knocked to the side. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but that doesn't happen in this movie. That's, that's, that's a post. That's the sequel, I guess. Yeah. Um, But all this stuff sounds so cool. I I just want to see animation of all of this. mm -hmm. And (laughs) yeah, once I saw this, I started looking into all these different, of the stuff that I know, like forms of uh, the Monkey King or Sun Wukong or Sun Goku. And it's like, I want to watch all of this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, the uh, the uh, Sun Wukong kind of realizes that they that the Jade Emperor did all this just to kind of hold him back. And he kind of gets indignant and declares himself the great sage equal of heaven and has this big banner that <laughs> says that. Yeah. And and of course the Jade Emperor, Jade Emperor doesn't like that. Uh and so we get to see all those little cute monkeys getting ready for war with like armor and swords and stuff, which is kind of I don't know, it's kind of it was kind of funny seeing that at first cuz it's almost like seeing like the Ewoks fighting people in like battle armor. <laughs> yeah, like all and these he, also, and he calls guys. them his children too, so it's yeah, that's like right. an interesting image. And sometimes he calls them his boys, which I thought was just I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, and the Jade Emperor sends in the the mighty magic spirit, which is this weird kind of blue fish guy, and he has these these big. They call them hammers, but it's kind of like we saw hammers in the last movie, where they're like these. It kind of look like maracas almost, like the yeah, giant maracas. Totally. Um, yeah. And he goes down to fight, and 
and then he gets beaten, and then they send this other guy, Prince uh, Nezha or something like that. And he, I really like his design because he's like this weird, almost looks like a baby or like a it's like a child, like a little boy. But he has these like wheel things that he he rides down on that almost they look like they look like the wheels on like rollerblades, but like taken off yeah, of it with yeah, like right. a little thing in the center. It's like some nice rims. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's running spinners down to fight the Monkey King. Dude, that's and, where yeah. spinners come from. Right. <laughs> Neja is like an actual... Neja, like, there you go. Yeah, god. And yeah, he's known for having... They're called the Windfire Wheels. And he has a fire-tip spear. And then he does a thing that uh, you see in the film where while they're fighting, he'll like make duplicates of his head and arms. So he has like three heads and six arms. That's like something that you'll see him represented by as well. And I love this next bit because he, uh, we get to introduce to a kind of an idea that's going to get reiterated throughout the second half of the movie, where uh, Sun Wukong plucks hairs from from somewhere on his body, usually his back, and he kind of blows on them, and they'll transform into different things. Yeah. So this time he does it, and it kind of transforms into like three other monkey kings. And it's just, I don't know, it's just really cool introducing that he has this crazy ability that he can do, and then he's going to keep doing it throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Son Son Goku, Son Wukong, same. But he has, like, his abilities that people are, that, that people know him for are like, yeah, he can grow and shrink to any size. He can use the cudgel, and that can also grow and sometimes that can transform but he can transform yeah. into i think they said they say he knows like, like 70 different transformations yeah, 72 or like that. different transformations yeah. and then and so the he other can, like, thing multiply is multiply himself and great yeah. the other thing is that he can use his hair to um make clones of himself and then even those clones can then transform into different things so the (laughs) the other thing i noticed a lot in journey to the west is that a lot of these uh uh creatures that he encounters and yeah even him and some of uh his partners in this uh journey they can also do transformation so that's like a big part of a lot of their mischief is them changing into something else and deceiving somebody so they Mm. can like steal an item or something like that. It's it's really That's a interesting thing that happens in uh, Princess Iron Fan near the beginning. Right. Whenever he turns into like a beetle, a and beetle. it's like and he's like slowly is like moving his hand over his face, and it turns like a beetle face and all that. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, he turns into a small beetle, and then he's ingested by. Oh right, <laughs> and then he like kind of like is like dancing around in her stomach to mm-hmm. like upset her so he can get this fan. But yeah, anyways, um, the other thing is that there's always a specific number for the things that they do. <laughs> like, I mean, similar to how they announced the weight of each of these weapons, like every person's ability, there will be like a number 72 or I can transform into 36 things and stuff like that. So right. I just wonder the importance behind numbers in Chinese culture like that. It's it's very interesting to me. Yeah, getting really specific like that. And again, yeah. like you were saying, uh, Marty, before, it's almost like stuff in the Bible where it just right, says very right. specific numbers of, of These things. These many talons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost a form, like, I guess, of education, you know, in the middle of storytelling. Yeah. 
How many so, kilograms yeah. does it? If, if Monkey's cudgel weighs this many kilograms and then he puts it on this. And he's traveling at this. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Totally. <laughs> so Dude, that uh, cudgel Neja... will get you out of a lot of math problems. So, cause oh, totally. Really you just smash the whole building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neja and Song Wukong have a pretty like epic fight. You know, it's kind of visualized like a storm where there are two different colored clouds that are clashing with each other. He ends up, yeah, like you said, like making these copies of himself. It's this is basically the climax of part one mm-hmm. of the two parts. Yeah. And he is able to defeat Neja and the. All the the kind of forces of heaven run away and say, "Hey, we'll you know we'll be back." And he says, "I'll be waiting." And that's the end of the first part. And then the next part starts off uh, pretty differently from the first one. The very first things we get to see is like these these ladies, like these clouds turning into these kind of dancing ladies. Yeah, very and, sort of gracefully, like mm-hmm. kind of floating through heaven. It's really beautiful animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what were the names of these? They said at some point it's like the fairy maidens or something like that. Yeah, yeah they just call them fairy fairies. Maiden. Okay. But, and they, yeah, it looks kind of cool. They're like each their own color, so it's almost like a rainbow. Yeah, yeah, totally. And of course, the 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 aren't one of the the general guy comes back and does he ever get a name like the red guy with the? Oh, his name is General Lee. Generally, okay. generally, generally. Oh man! There you go. Yeah. <laughs> South side of heaven, rise again. L I L I. Yes. Uh, General Lee comes to the Jade Emperor and basically says, "We can't beat him, and like we need more troops, and that he's uh, he wants to attack the temple unless they recognize that he is the the great sage equal to heaven." Um, and of course, Great White Planet jumps back in. It's like, no, we just need to trick him again. And it's kind of <laughs> thinking, Jade Ember needs to step in here and be like, uh, it didn't work He's out. Like, too this well. is my move, guys. This is yeah. this is the only thing. I <laughs> this can is all I got. Yeah, point. he. J- I like that too. It's like always like trapping him in basically just getting a job yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also cool because the white planet it's not as though he's like super diabolical it's more that he just wants to avoid conflict or something or at least that's how he kind of yeah came across like he wants to maybe. avoid physical conflict right, where possible right. and of course he goes back down convinces monkey to come back up and um i love whenever it shows the the mountain of flowers and fruit again it's it's kind of like these paper cutouts that like slide out of the way as it's zooming in um right it's I, cool i know there are other cartoons that use this the first thing i thought of was uh, how the grinch stole christmas sure. Uh, oh sure but yeah um, or like layers of parallax and like uh i yeah, guess like a, like a super nintendo game yeah totally yeah. totally and great white planet convinces him to to go back to heaven to become the keeper of the queen mother's peach garden and he shows all of the uh like the different groves i guess to sun wukong saying like oh these bloom every three thousand years these bloom every six thousand years these bloom every nine thousand years and they all give you like immortality and eternal youth and all that stuff. And of course, as soon as possible, he, he gets the, it's just the earth God that's showing him around. And as soon as possible, he this gets earth the earth God. God. Is awesome. He's, I, I love, he's he has another man. great design. He's so also very great. nebbish and he keeps like sneezing and, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love like a little stuffed figurine of, Oh of, my gosh. Of, of this yeah, little totally. guy. 
Oh yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> but and I, yeah, I like how Sun Wukong looks here too. He's got mm-hmm. this yeah, very celestial this, garb. Yeah. He's got a headdress and everything. He looks mm. really cool. Beautiful garments, yeah. Yeah, I like how he's like to the Earth God. He's like, hey, why don't you just go over there and leave me alone over here? <laughs> yeah. Everything will be cool, man. Like, yeah, don't worry not, about it. He's not even good at coming up with an excuse. Like, hey, you go over there for a little bit. I'll be fine. I'll show myself around. <laughs> And yeah, of so course, these... as soon as he can, he immediately eats the bunch of peaches. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that, too. Yeah, these 9,000-year peaches. And, like, yeah, if you eat from this, you, you get immortality or longevity. Right. And, like, everything is very, like, specifically worded. Like, mm-hmm. these are these items, and they have this special ability. And, yeah, once you want, it's like, no, you can't. This is for the queen's like a uh, banquet that it's coming up it's like mm-hmm. damn they waited how many years to have this <laughs> banquet <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i mean i guess if you're a god it doesn't seem that long mm-hmm. but it's good good yeah good timing for the monkey king yeah, yeah perfect timing for him <laughs> i also and- love that when the fairies come there I, they say something like oh boy the peaches haven't really grown this year this year like yeah. <laughs> do, do you mean you mean this like eight thousand? Yeah, this this millennia. <laughs> Though maybe that maybe like the celestial beings like maybe it's eight thousand mortal mortal years or something. It's all relative. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's all right. relative. <laughs> um, and it's cool because whenever they fly in, we kind of have a little bit of a not quite a musical number, but they're like singing and yeah, that's that was really. Lovely. They definitely felt um kind of reminded me how like a a more Disney ish version of this would be like. There's a lot of pretty logical places where there would be songs in in the movie, and yeah, obviously and that's these, the one. Yeah, these are the fairies that I was saying that they're each their own uh, yeah. color tone, so they kind of look like a rainbow as they're mm-hmm. flying across the sky. Yeah, and they go in and and say, uh, or, "That's right." After after the monkey eats a bunch of the peaches, he gets really really small and uses a leaf as a blanket and takes a nap, <laughs> and. Uh, and they find him sleeping on one of the peaches and basically tell him that, you know, the the peaches are for the banquet and everyone's invited and basically call out all the people that have been causing him trouble, like the um, like the the dragon king from the EC and and all that. And they're like, well, why didn't I get invited? I'm equal to heaven. And they're all like, who are you? We don't even know who you are. And yeah, they're kind of teeing and sort yeah. of. Yeah teasing him about his title like not quite quietly enough mm-hmm. yeah there's like this classist thing going on where yeah, he's just yeah, totally. a nobody why would he be mm-hmm. able to go to that and yeah and i that... heard one commentary saying they think that this a lot of this movie really was kind of a little bit of a commentary from the makers of it of the the Wan brothers of kind of a a kind of communist uh bent to it about like you know, a, a common man overthrowing the aristocracy and oh. and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. Because um, I also of... read something where they were like, the, yeah, a reading that was also more like critical of Ma. Although I suppose, like, you know, when they started developing this, who knows? Maybe they were a little more enchanted with Mao initially. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think some of it was just in order for them to even be able to have a studio under Mao's China. They kind of had to have a more communist bent. Um, But then and then then that just wasn't enough, I guess. And they had to go and, you know, work in a field or pick up trash because 
Oh man, that's what happened. It was bad, and it was great. I I heard about um the oh there's a name for like the four kind of heads of state in in China at that time. Mm. Um, it's it's called like the Big Four or something like that. Uh, Gang of Four, I think. Gang of Four. There you go. Yeah. I had read that there was the the Gang of Four was kind of the the leaders of China at that time, and after the Cultural Revolution kind of failed. One of the first big animated productions after that is literally about um, someone killing these four dragons that are in heaven <laughs> and is like a very, wow. a very direct allegory to to the oh, game of four. It's, Whoa, it's fascinating looking at how these things kind of are in context. So uh, Sun Wukong makes his way up to where they're going to have the banquet. And he's pretty angry. Um, this is visualized really cool. It looks very celestial. It looks like a painting in itself. You've got these symbolic like suns in the sky, and you've got like this very painterly uh, palace. And it's cool because it's there's a shot of that like sun symbol, and he's standing on it. So you get to see him standing on this very artistic representation of a thing. So it's kind of putting you in that painting. It looks really cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he kind of floats his way down and disguises. Well, he turns like invisible. And um, yeah, really cool. what he does is like he starts to check out what they're all going to eat. And then he puts everyone to sleep. And then uh, he's partaking on everything. Say, and then he gets wasted he, on wine. Yeah, then he gets drunk. <laughs> I love I love the animation where at first he's like because he's still really ticked off and is, you know, just drinking a bunch of wine. And at first he is pouring the wine from a pitcher into a cup and then drinking it. And then he just throws the cup away and starts pouring it directly into his <laughs> yeah, mouth. <that's> great. <laughs> oh, and then he gets out a um. have you all ever played Dungeons and Dragons? I just have. a bit. OK, oh, well, there's okay. an there's an item in it called the bag of holding, oh, which bag, is like yes. a, a, sure. a bag that looks small, but can fit a bunch of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Monkey King like basically Hermione's whips out. Purse, basically. Yeah, yeah. Same or, or Mary Poppins bag. Same yeah, same idea. Yeah. Um, the Monkey King basically has one of those and and just puts the whole banquet into the bag. And I, I don't know. I, I think of D&D. Yeah, for sure. I totally see that. So yeah, he it's cool. He kind of is hallucinating and he sees like the pots and pans on the table, mm-hmm. but he vi- he thinks that they're his like monkey sir yeah. his monkey his, kingdom like, kids. kids yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's so like, he's "Come like, on guys, like have some too." But then yeah, he he sees that it's not them. So that's when he brings that bag out and scoops it all up and he's going to yeah. take it back to the mountain of mm-hmm. uh flowers and fruit. Mm-hmm. And I love after that, whenever he's he's kind of drunkenly stumbling around and he's drunkenly flying on the cloud and kind of yeah. swaying back and forth. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> he's and, like rolling around on it. <laughs> um, and then that's whenever he uh, he stumbles into uh, another Lord's palace, the Laozi or Laozi. Yes. Right. Uh, palace. Right. The design of this palace is amazing. Oh, yeah. I yeah, love really it. cool. Really kind of really sharp cool. and angular. Like, yeah, yeah it, it kind of makes me think of Aku from Samurai Jack. Like, all oh, it's sure. like black oh, with and the red with all of the, black. Yeah, yeah, black and red and like really sharp angles and everything. And he stumbles in there and he, uh, 
he discovers a like a jar full of these golden elixir pills that apparently the yeah. the supreme lord the supreme jade emperor uses and he takes one and this is another good gift too of him <laughs> he takes one and then I love just the grabs the whole of this scene too this is yeah. great. he grabs one kind of swallows it and then he just opens it and pours all of them into his mouth <laughs> And it it's scored too, like it is. It's, yeah. it's scored like a like a battle scene with all the crazy sure. instruments going. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love the sort of they're like these kind of flares on the. On yeah, the they use this pills. kind of uh, animation, like a special effect, where it's not like using like a color gel where they would shine a light behind, but it's similar to that. But it has like this kind of really warm, like fire like effect. Mm-hmm. It looks really yeah. cool. There's a couple of other moments in the film where they use kind of like these animation special effects, like this traditional animation stuff. Yeah, like the the Jade Emperor, his face is kind of like lit a little bit. Yeah, it's got like this kind of mirror-like or uh, glowy-like thing going on. And those all look really cool. I really like those kind of, and even the golden pills, how they flicker Mm -hmm. and stuff. Or when they were, yeah, underwater with the demon. Yep. Those those little touches are really cool. <laughs> and then he just kind of goes back to the to the mountain like he doesn't run into the people <laughs> yeah. in this little encounter. Um he heads back to his mountain and has just throws a huge party for the for the monkeys and I love whenever he opens up the bag, then all of the parts of the banquet just kind of float out. Like he doesn't dump it <laughs> on the ground or anything. They all yeah. really gently float out and all the <laughs> all the monkeys start, you know, getting food out and he starts drinking a bunch of wine and it's fun. It's cute. I love. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh yeah, they look great. I I love their yeah these little looped animations of them cheering or them doing like cartwheels and stuff. Yeah, and I love the little the monkeys that kind of look like little children monkeys getting drunk on the wine and stumbling. And then they're sort of like elder monkeys. Yeah, I would say too that I I, I'm pretty sure that the the monkey design that they're using is like based on a macaque. You know, those little monkeys. Yeah, it does seem like that. And even those monkeys are like kind of like mischievous monkeys Mm -hmm. to begin with. So, um, yeah, Sun Wukong's design and all the monkeys on this mountain seem to be designed based on that. Also, Sun Wukong has like a really cool like teacup or whatever. Mm. Um, It's Yeah, it's funny. There's like, uh, yeah, just kind of interesting detail there that I wasn't expecting it could have just been a simple prop but <laughs> any the other thing that's cool is like yeah he brings those peaches with him so yeah. uh he shares those peaches with all of his crew and, and that almost that almost feels like a greek thing that's like a prometheus like it's bringing something from heaven oh, down yeah. to the to the people oh, right and they emphasize it too because there's a really cool animation of the peaches like up in the sky and a tree grows from them going down. So it's almost like this inverse animation where you would expect a tree growing up from the ground and bearing fruit. So it's the fruit that's bearing the tree to the ground. It looks really cool. And we cut back to, to heaven and the queen. This is a great oh, shot. It's we, so yeah, good. It's the... Probably the biggest crowd like scene in mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get to see the, the the queen mother who just looks pissed off. Like oh her, goodness, she yeah. has such a mad face, and <laughs> it was really cool because it pans across like all of the gods that are supposed to be going to the banquet, 
And I'll bet there's probably some people in this scene that are like a reference to some either like some mythological creatures or, or mythological character. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see that. You know, people or like political leaders at the time or something like I could totally see just like how a Looney Tunes would sneak in, you know, some yeah, it's really, really a 40s. diverse set of faces. It's not just like, yeah. you know, copied. Yeah. And that's what makes me think that. Or they're making yeah. fun of like one of their friends with a huge head. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> um, there's one that kind of looks like Pai Mei with like the long white eyebrows oh, and the white, yeah. and the totally. white, uh, white coat. Cool. And even oh, since you mentioned that that Lao Ji, the the where he stumbles in and gets the golden elixir yeah, yeah. from, he's yeah. like a, a Taoist deity, but he was actually a, like a real person. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see that. He's represented in the film, even though yeah, this he guy has like is a like, yin yang on the back of his. Cloak. Yeah, mm. this dude was like a real dude at one point, mm. so that's pretty interesting. Sin mm. the godhood, but yeah, here he's kind of like the like the wicked witch of the woods of Hansel and yeah. Gretel, or something. <laughs> sure, sure, totally. And there's such a there's a I keep saying I love it and it's great, but it really is a, I love it and it's great. Um, <laughs> the 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 queen mother the animation of the queen mother just shaking with with anger yeah so good <laughs> there's another thing that i forgot to mention and it's when we usually see some godlike characters like moving in to battle i don't know what they they're doing or why they're doing it but they have this kind of warbling yell like they're going like oh yeah yeah you're right oh yeah Almost like a, a ghost or ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like sounds really interesting. They do it more than once for di- a mm-hmm. couple of different characters. I don't I don't know why, but it's fun. I like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so what happens is uh, General Lee gets the authority to attack Sun Wukong on his mountain and he gets access to 100,000 celestial troops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um He's making his way down there and it's yeah, they have like a lot of fanfare. Like you see like it's almost like a parade of war going towards the mountain. And the first uh characters that Sun Wukong has to encounter are the four heavenly kings. So these four heavenly kings in mythology represent the four like polar directions. And they don't identify them by name in the film, but you can tell that they're each represented of like ones like the wind and ones like they're represent of different things like growth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, the first guy has like this sword that kind of sprouts like these little swords. <laughs> and then Sun Wukong uses his own hairs to make shields. Yeah. So there's like yeah, swords versus shields. shields in the sky. That's. That's and it's cool, cool how the shields kind of look like the butterflies that he made earlier in the movie, but now they're now they're shields. Oh yeah, yeah. And then yeah, the next, I, I love when it got to this like um, like a crazy preponderance of like weapons or characters or whatever. It felt like uh, really reminiscent of some of the first like CG movies in mainland China. I mm. mean, it maybe it's also probably influenced by movies from the West, like you know Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and stuff, mm. but. Yeah, I feel like a very similar handling of just uh, almost like astronomically large number of you know <laughs> flying weapons and flying soldiers. And yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to look at some of those sequences the same way. I do think there's... <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I mean, there, there's probably some kind of influence from this movie and all those filmmakers. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, seeing these kind of celestial battles, like, to this scale, yeah, you can see it being very influential. And, you know, this is how they were depicted in these ancient, you know, um, stories. So it's kind of cool seeing that visualized in traditional animation mm-hmm. yeah so the, the the next god uses kind of like a, a guitar or a lute or something I like that i think it's like a pipa i think they oh call yeah it. maybe you guys would know better um, than i would oh or pip- I'm not i sure thought it, i thought it was a lute but, but it, yeah it's probably like yeah it's a, like a chinese, a chinese lute, equivalent of a lute yeah yeah and he can cast like a spell that puts everyone to sleep mm-hmm. so um they're able to put uh Sun Wukong and his his army to sleep and then the next god has like this celestial umbrella that kind of wraps them all up so they're captured but uh Sun Wukong kind of wakes up and he busts out and they escape from that I like that he it's it I'm not sure what he does but I it looks like he takes his his staff and makes it really thin and wraps it around so it turns into like a spearhead it's it's kind of mm. it's kind of weird, but but yeah, he uses that to poke a poke a hole, and then immediately he gets the he loot, and he yeah, lets everyone out and and gets the and loot. Yeah, he's he just as respectful with the loot or the pipa as he is with yeah anything else. Yeah, <laughs> sure. He <laughs> plays it and then snaps the strings. Yeah, he totally. Yeah, he breaks every single string and. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and it's then, cool because he's using kind of their own medicine against them. Yeah, so he's like putting all these dudes to sleep. I like that too. So then the the final of the four heavenly kings mm. has like this very specific looking snake that he uses to fight with and it has like this gem on its head and uh Sun Wukong is able to subdue the snake and remove that gem. So uh he's defeated the four heavenly kings. Mm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and they all kind of run away with their tails between yeah. their legs just like anyone that encounters Sun Wukong. Yeah. then the next guy that comes into fight is named what erlang or erlang erlang Erlang, yes erlang comes in and he is like he's probably the person that gives sun wukong the most fight of of anyone in the movie and he has kind of like a a, yeah anyways really cool really cool look Yeah. yeah in in mythology he's usually depicted with like this third eye that he can see the truth with and then he's usually accompanied by a dog Mm -hmm. oh the dog had a name what was it his howling celestial dog Mm -hmm. and the the dogs used to subdue demons yeah and we do see the dog in this movie and it's kind of it's kind of sad because he the the dog gets uh, the monkey king kind of beats up the dog (laughs) and the dog just kind of sadly walks away (laughs) afterwards yeah yeah (laughs) he has a little yip like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, this is the part of the movie where, where they're fighting all these gods and they kind of get really creative with how they introduce characters and how they visualize their abilities. So like even Erlang Sheng, when when they just introduce him, first thing you see are his eyes floating in space mm-hmm. and then his yeah. body forms around that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that looks really cool. And I like the design. And their fight is really too. cool. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh, this this fight gets crazy. So after he handles the dog and kicks him away, Erling uh, jumps down and starts fighting. I mean, man, if somebody kicked my dog, that's like the quickest <laughs> way to get me to fight you. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah, he jumps down and he's got like this kind of uh, this wide like bladed spear. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. 
So they're they're fighting for quite a bit, and that looks really cool. There's like a, I mean, I guess it's like a camera shot where it just where it like holds on back them. And forth. Yeah, and yeah, they're going really back cool. and forth. It looks really cool. And I would say like, yeah, right after that, you see um, some of Erlang's soldiers, and even those guys look really cool. And um, now they we get to some see... of the uh, those hook swords. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. yeah, they totally do. And, and uh, yeah, and some axes so Kong... and stuff. In order to fight all these different guys, he does this crazy front flip with like an after image, and then each That's of the my, after yeah, images turns into another Sun Wukong to fight them. That is my favorite animation technique oh, so they cool. do in the film. It looks really cool, yeah. So then he splits into five and he's fighting everybody. And then when he joins back together, um, and that time he's grabbed like some of those weapons, so like the hook sword and stuff like that. So, um, the fives begin to form to one, but as they're doing that, they're handing the weapon off to who would be the final Sun Wukong. Like, and that lo- is really cool, like how they orchestrate that and visualize it. It looks really good. Hmm. Yeah, totally. And they kind of cut back to the, the monkey soldiers fighting all the warriors, and there's some really cool shots. Like they're using like the waterfall to fight the enemies hmm. in the sky. And they're dragging some of the soldiers under the water. Looks kind of brutal. Yeah. yeah monkeys don't play around. <laughs> yep. Um, and whenever Sun Wukong sees that, that really gets him mad. And, and he starts like getting really, really vicious with the guys, you know, fighting away all these different, all the soldiers, all these different ways. But the what's so cool is that this next bit, he's kind of gets away from the soldiers for a bit and transforms into a little bird and starts yeah. kind of flying away. And then this turns into this huge like transformation fight. And yeah. it's crap like this that makes me love traditional animation. It's like mm-hmm. stuff like this, like nothing yeah, else totally. can look like this. Like you can't, you know, like a live action thing could never look this good, like with these smooth transitions. Right, it's just so fluid and there's also just great like flourish to it. Yeah. Yeah. Erlong turns into... Uh, like a bigger it's bird like a, to fight him. Yeah, like a raven or something. Yeah, and then uh, it one as uh, someone Kong turns into a fish, and then Erlang turns into like a crane to try to fight yeah. the fish, and then then almost like a mountain yeah, lion or something. Yeah, a mountain lion, like a mongoose and a snake, and and that's like one of the final transformations is Sun Kong turns into this like mythical dragon or mythical uh, uh, Chinese like tiger. To, or yeah. I guess, or I guess, like a lion, like a lion dance. My favorite though is the one right after that when he turns into that cute little hog. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, that is that. Oh, if that could be a gif, that is definitely definitely very. Like as soon as I saw him, like that, that's a gif. Yeah, he turns yeah. into this little like altar, his little um, kind of like a pagoda with uh, yeah, and like, but his eyes are the windows and his mouth the the doorway, and it's like super cute. Yeah. It's really cute. And this is where Erlang uses that third. Uh, mm-hmm. truth seeking eye and yeah. he's able to see through uh Sun Wukong's yeah it's illusion. like an x-ray vision in this case and that's a really cool old school animation effect too where there's sort of this like dissolvey yeah um yeah it made me think of in like in Looney Tunes whenever he would like fade and say like jackass or something like that or bonehead <laughs> or, or yeah like, or the old Superman shorts oh like, yeah the, I oh, too yeah, sure. the x-ray I was going to say, like, seeing, like, a dude, and then he looks like a cooked turkey. <laughs> <And he's laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
then after he's discovered they're still fighting and Lao Shi actually says to Jade Emperor hey let me assist so he has like this celestial like a it looks like a chakram or like a halo type weapon and um it's uh zipping around in the middle of his fight and he knocks uh wukong uh, over the head and wukong's like uh like how dare you strike me from behind but that's what they use to uh, ensnare mm. uh some wukong yeah. so they capture him the actually. chain actually like grows and shrinks with him so he's not able to not able to burst out Yep. So they've got him uh, poised for execution. And even in the midst of this execution, Sun Wukong's like, ha, yeah, whatever. Try what you can. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And Jade Emperor gets really mad. Like, you dare talk to me this way in the middle of your execution? So then he's like, kill him. And the first thing they do is they try to drop a guillotine on, a head, on his <laughs> yeah. head. And it just bounces right off. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And they bounce it like three times and then it just shatters. Yeah. Yep. Uh, That's that then, skull. Then, uh, then they shoot bunch yeah. of, or no, they shoot fire at him, and then he yeah. sucks up all the fire and shoots it back at the guy. Uh, yeah, and my favorite is them. The fire animation's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah, and him like sucking it in and blowing it out looks really cool. But my favorite is them shooting like thousands of arrows at him, and he falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he reacts. <laughs> and it's crazy, like, the amount of arrows they shoot at him is in ridiculous, and it's, like, dissolving the platform he's standing on. Like, yep. it's like that scene in Hero, like, the, yeah, the yeah, amount exactly. of arrows yeah. that get shot at him. Yeah. Spoilers for Hero. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, yeah, I had that same reaction. Like, that, I think there really is some kind of, like, cross yeah influence. yeah totally um, like they like probably once, both you know, inspired good by cg got in the picture yeah. <laughs> i'm sure it's and probably for, both inspired by the same like source material yeah sure for me i would say that when it comes to artwork in the film i think the strongest artwork for me is jade emperor he looks mm-hmm. really yeah. cool he has this very detailed really, like, face unforgettable design yeah it looks great and especially in this scene, you it's get a weird lot of... long fingernails. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, okay, so following yeah, this, the finale is super interesting. Yeah, they decide. Okay, Lao Shi is going to uh, put Song Wukong into his heavenly furnace, and then he'll be burnt to ashes. See, mm-hmm. you can't just put heavenly in front of <laughs> and make it okay, right? Like, why do you need a furnace though? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, does it get too? Are there some cold nights up in heaven? (laughs) You need to. There was another term that I saw for it. Where was it? Oh, it was the eight eight way trigram furnace. That was the other term that I saw. I bet it sounds cooler. Both both good terms. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he also he has a really cool uh, sword. Uh, Yeah. Really get to use it very much, but really like the design there, and it's. Yeah, it's kind of outlined in this kind of glowing blue. Mm. It's really yeah, and that's how he yeah, really that's did. how he sees how hot the furnace is because he'll like poke yeah. it in there and see how red the sword gets. And of course, the monkey at first is like, "Oh, it's really nice and cool in here. Oh, it's all cool and comfortable." <laughs> right. So they put in like this intense like magical fire into the furnace, and whenever whenever he checks the temperature, then the sword is just catches on fire and melts. Yeah, and then he's he's pretty overconfident. I think he says something like, "Oh, the monkey's been burnt into ash mm-hmm. or something." So then, yeah, they they remove the fire and they check 
into the furnace and Lao Shi sees like two like golden pearls and he's like, oh, he he turned into the, you know, the elixir pills, mm-hmm. but it's actually Sun Wukong's eyes yeah. that he sees. And it's pretty creepy too. And he's like all covered in, in yeah. soot. and uh, Yeah, he's colored completely black. Mm-hmm. And he like spits out dust at him. And, and I guess maybe the fire like weakened the chains or something because he's able to he's able to break out. And there's this really like triumphant musical sting as he like shoots all of the, the ash off of him. And and then immediately gets to wrecking the place. Yeah. <laughs> Kicks over the and furnace. From here on, and... he's he's like almost like unstoppable yeah. Superman kind of power. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. If you think about all the things he's collected over the course of the film, he was already powerful to begin with, mm-hmm. but now he, you know, he's got his cudgel, he's got his Yeah, he wipes out just like uh, legions of these like heavenly troops. And he's like three yeah, times he immortal with the peaches and the elixir pills <laughs> and Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, if it was in a video game, you would see your lives and there would be just weird, messed yeah, up, like the, glitchy symbols. Yeah, the bar would go off of the screen. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. It, he already was basically immortal. And then he consumed the... Yeah, he's just greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude... Well, he did share it with everyone, yeah. so I can't say that. That's true. But yeah, so g- generally, like, um, he's characterized as... As holding a pagoda, and he uses that pagoda towards the end to hmm. try and smash yeah. Sun Wukong, but he smashes through it, of course, and then and they all uh, run away, Wukong, which is cool because yeah, it's just... the first time you've seen the Jade Emperor move on his own in the movie because he's always being carried around on this throne, but you right, see him yeah. just darting away and the throne falling behind him, and then yep. Sun Wukong just it just cuts to the place is just trashed and. The very last thing that he destroys is the sign on the outside, which I thought was cool because <laughs> we've seen yeah. we've seen sign destruction in, in a few of the movies. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, yeah. And That's and monkey maniacally laughs in front of the destroyed temple, which was a little like, oh, oh, is he the good guy? <laughs> it's just like this crazy villain <laughs> laughter. <laughs> um, yeah. But then the very last shot of the movie. Great final shot with all of his like monkey mm-hmm. brethren. And, yep. He all they're all yeah. dancing around. He's posing. They've raised they've raised the the banner saying the great sage equal to equal to heaven. And the zooms out and that's the and that's the movie. So cool. Oh man. This is a really fun one. Like yeah. I was really glad that we were yeah. able to find this whenever we were looking into Chinese animation this is another thing where it was like uh you know we started this podcast and it was definitely stuff that I was already into I mean I think a little more than the average person but these are things that I never would have expected to dig into and yeah the more we go uh along on this podcast the more excited I get about things like this this is a lot of fun Mm. yeah and just I don't know it's really um I think fascinating thinking about that point in time, like in Shanghai, like it's kind of a similar time period to in the mood for love. And yeah, I don't know. It's um, I'd love to someday see some, honestly see some uh, biopic about these 
brothers, you know, like oh yeah, that'd be cool animation uh, dynasty there. And uh, not only that, but just like Journey to the West itself, we we've seen, like I said, you've seen the influence in a lot of media, and there have been some adaptions, but I feel like here in the West, there hasn't been many really strong uh, media representations of this. There was this game on the. PS3 and 360 is called Enslaved. Do you guys know about that game? Yeah, I've, no, I've I mean, I've heard of it. And I know that it's a Journey to the West inspired, but that's yeah. that's about the end of my my knowledge of it. Oh, it was a fun game. I liked it, and yeah, that was uh, representing Journey to the West, and that's a Western developed game, which is pretty cool. So you see it here and there, but it would be cool to. I mean, it's untapped potential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, all totally. these really cool characters and all these very fantastical stories and uh yeah this kind of deep rooting in like chinese culture and uh buddhist beliefs and martial arts in a lot of ways too yeah yeah the only hollywood depiction that i can think of is actually uh forbidden kingdom the, that's yeah that's what the i think jackie of jetly vehicle and jetly actually kind of depicts sun wukong there um i actually think really cool. yeah he his personality of Sun Wukong is really great. Like seeing Jet Li like with that kind of smirky expression yeah, yeah, and totally. his behavior, like I thought it was a really good depiction of Sun Wukong. Yeah. And you have Jackie kind of almost doing like a so hot year, like a mm-hmm. Simon Yuan kind of thing, which is really yeah, I think really touching. <laughs> yeah, really cool. Yeah. So that's Havoc in Heaven. And again, this movie is available for free on YouTube. We'll probably post links to it. It's also called Uproar in Heaven and Chaos in Heaven. It's one of those one of those kind of kind of movies. But Havoc in Heaven, I think, sounds the coolest. So thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, you can leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. So iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, etc. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Heroes the Number Three Podcast. Thank you to the Kung Fu Cinema subreddit if you're checking us out from there. And Marty, what is our training for next week? Oh man. Yeah, so very inspired by uh Havoc in Heaven. Um well yeah, so a little behind the scenes peek. We we try to think far, you know, fairly far off in advance. What are the kinds of arcs uh that we could cover, either around maybe a filmmaker or a subject or whatever. Uh one arc that I'm really excited to get to would be a Stephen Chow arc. Um we're not going in a way, we're going to get that. Anyways, we're going to try to have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> so we're going to do a little, uh, a little arc that is inspired by Journey to the West. And in 1995, there was an extremely popular uh, two-part film series um, that actually starred Stephen Chow. It's called Chinese Odyssey. Part one is uh, called Pandora's Box, and part two is. I think it's called Cinderella is one of the translations. Hmm. Um, anyways, so uh, next week, well, it'll be hopefully a pretty smooth transition. We're going to kind of stay in the world of Journey to the West and also introduce Mr. Stephen Chow to the podcast. Very cool. Super exciting. Yeah, it's going to be great. So until next week, where we're taking a look at A Chinese Odyssey Part 1, Pandora's Box. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training.
Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.